From Brooklyn, New York, I'm Adam Teeter. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal. And this is the Vine Pair Podcast. And uh, Zach, I mean, you know, it's 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 January. It is mm-hmm. still Mindful Drinking Month. Yeah. Um, and that means we still have an ad for Mindful Drinking Month. So let's let's get into it. Thank our sponsors before we get into today's episode, which is actually all about mindful drinking. Um, but if you're aiming to cut back on calories and alcohol, but still want to enjoy a delicious glass of wine, then Mind and Body Wines are your perfect solution. These low-calorie, low-alcohol wines are only 90 calories per serving and are vegan, gluten-free, non-GMO, and made without added sugar. With Mind and Body Wines, you can sip without sacrifice, and you can learn more at mindandbodywines.com. Uh, so, Zach, uh, before we start talking about mindful drinking, um, let's just talk about drinking in general uh, or what you've been up to recently. Um, what have you been tasting? Yeah, well, I would say – so. so as – mentioned on last week's episode i uh i am not drinking in january as is always the case for me um at least from a standpoint of like having a beverage to for consumption but but because of what i do professionally there's still occasional tastings obviously much less in you know i was actually talking to my wife about this the other day you know typically in january when i was running beverage programs in restaurants when restaurants were a thing that i was doing uh January was actually a hard month for me in some ways because it was usually the month when I really refreshed the wine program. You know, in restaurants, uh, typically, you know, November, December are really busy. You don't really have time to be make, doing, you know, have tasting appointments. You're just kind of trying to get through the months and get through the holiday season and you're just, you know, reordering, if anything. And so January for me was always a month where I would do actually a fair bit of tasting and, and refreshing menus and, and lists. Um, obviously not doing that this year. So the amount of wine that I'm, you know, kind of that's passing through my uh, world, even if I'm not drinking it, is is significantly limited. But but I do want to say that the one thing that I had relatively recently that I did, did try, which I really was interested in is um and maybe a topic for a podcast down the road one day is uh you know i think there's been this interesting attempt to revitalize some historic california properties that mm-hmm. you know some, some wineries and in, in this case i'm thinking of luia martini um i was trying some stuff from the monteroso vineyard which is one of the iconic vineyards in california it was planted in the 1880s initially and um it's one of the situations where like that was a property where uh, uh, you know, when California wine was first coming on the scene, they were one of the top brands. They got yeah. sold, they got kind of commoditized, uh, and now recently are kind of trying to step back out of that that reputation as you know, sort of generic, inexpensive trading on the the legacy of the name wines. And so, I mean, again, maybe we'll talk about that more down the road. But I think there is this interesting thing where you you see this with California, in particular, a few wineries in in Napa, and to some extent, maybe in Sonoma, a few other places where there is really an effort to to burnish or, you know, reestablish the legacy of some of these, you know, truly, truly uh, monumental producers that just were turned into a commodity brand at one point, because that was what people thought of the wine industry in the 60s, 70s, 80s, whatever. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, so it's funny you bring up that winery, because um, they are, they've, they've submitted a few years now for tastings, and they always, it always does really well, uh, as they've had this sort of like rebirth. You know, I know a, a new a new company owns them. Yep, the largest wine uh, company in in the country now, actually. Um, but they've actually done an amazing job with with that brand. Um, well, and it makes sense over. because you know the thing that is true about several of these brands that have you know or wineries that have attempted to kind of be revitalized is in many cases they still have some of the absolute best vineyard sites in California. It, yeah. That has not changed, but what has to what had to change and what is changing in some of these cases is 
the the larger company that that owns them recognizing the value in this is making a product that is a world class wine that befits those world class vineyard not a brand that we can put on grocery store shelves for thirty dollars a bottle all over the world and that's a that's a pivot that's been required and and I think it's you know it, it makes me glad for the sake of you know I don't know those the history and the the quality of the grapes that are coming off those vineyards that 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 has been something that that has the value of which has been seen by you know very very large wine companies yeah i think it's going to be interesting to see too uh what happens to some of these other really well known brands um in the next few years as as they're also changing hands there's there's a there's a bunch of vineyards we can talk about it uh on another episode um but there, you know, because it's, it's probably too much to talk about for our our, our intro. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's more than banter. More than banter, but but yeah, super interesting. Um, for me actually, so I did break dry January last night uh, on a Wednesday. I was like, you know gotcha. what, like I, you know, I I think I drink very uh, sort of respectfully, and we'll talk about all that in a second. Um, and I wanted a beer, and this brewery out of L.A. Highland Park Brewery had sent me some of their beers, and. Uh, I was like, well, I, I kind of want to do them the favor of like t- seeing this beer now. And so I opened uh, one of the beers, which is an India Pale Ale called Strata Aerobics, which uh-huh. also I thought was just like a dope name um, and a beautiful label. And, and it was a delicious beer. And it was nice to just like have a beer, uh, you know, have some dinner, watch a little TV. Uh, I'm flipping back and forth between two shows right now. Can't decide, like can't focus on just one. Bridgerton you know, but- and... No, that's already been finished. Dude. I didn't. I didn't watch Bridgerton. Just for the record, Naomi watched Bridgerton. Uh-huh. I, I popped in and out of it. It's a little too trashy for me. I respect what it's doing, but uh, I'm not like a. I was not a Gossip Girl person either. Uh, just like not my sort of thing. And that's basically how it was explained to me: is oh, this is Gossip Girl, but like in the 18th century or something. I was like, eh, I'm gonna let's yeah. pass that up. But I have been watching together. We've been watching. Like, do you have that? Do you have like shows you watch? with your wife and then shows that are like your own shows? I would say that what we have are shows that we watch together and then she has shows she watches without me, including Bridgerton. I don't have a lot of other shows outside of, I I would say that on the rare occasions that, that like on the, on the evenings where she wants to watch something on her own, I would say what I do, what do I do? I watch sports. Um, like I'll watch basketball, which she has a limited tolerance for, but not a big one. Um, uh-huh. and, or I will watch, um, or we, she actually, for my birthday, got me a Nintendo switch. I have not had a video game console in many years. Uh, but I have been doing that on my, uh, we funny. play some together, but also, uh, that is sometimes my, uh, my evening alone time activity. So that's funny. We, yeah, no. yeah. We, we definitely have like shows together, shows alone, um, our two shows together right now are, and like, again, we only have one TV. Like we only believe in having a TV in the living room. Um, gotcha. so like th- it's also, you know, basically we have shows Naomi watches alone and shows we watch together. Yeah. <laughs> and then, exactly. then once in a while I get to watch my own if she goes to bed early or whatever, but, um, we're watching together right now. Uh, the, the Nexium documentary, uh, the vow, which is like, okay. whoa. And then also the good Lord bird, which is amazing uh on showtime and i feel like i have up. never heard of either of those so i don't know what that um, says about my the vows on hbo it's all about the crazy cult uh nexium mm-hmm. that turned out to be a sex trafficking ring which is great which is insane and then the good lord bird is um you know based on uh, the novel and it's about the uh abolitionist john brown oh, okay. and it is incredible and ethan hawk is just amazing in the role 
so it's it's a really uh really great show but like that's one of those shows where like it also is kind of hard it is hard to watch obviously deals with a lot of very uncomfortable history in our country so like mm-hmm. we can usually watch like one episode of it in the yeah. evening and then we're like okay we're either gonna watch something fun or like go read um yeah. And I just picked up a new book that I'm excited about that I've also been reading called Up All Night, which is the oh. the, the story of uh, the history of CNN and oh, how like basically 24 hour news came to be that actually co-founder Josh Mellon recommended to me. So thanks, Josh. There you go. Um, but yeah, so th- those are our uh, th- that's that's what I've been drinking and, and up to. And I think it's it's a good segue into sort of the, the theme of this podcast, which is mindful drinking. And I think you know we, we talk about uh, this a lot as an industry but it's always an important conversation to have. And it's just sort of like how we, you know, we approach it. And it always seems like January is the time when we reflect on this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that we do that for a few reasons. One, you know, there's not a lot of activity in January. You can kind of get away with unplugging a bit. There's not a ton of, you know, uh, places to go. There's usually not a ton of meetings. Everyone's kind of like head down uh, planning for the year. You know, you don't have a lot of drinks or dinners, there's there's one holiday weekend, obviously the one coming up, Martin Luther King weekend. But again, it's usually a, a cold weekend. So if you're not, you know, you're either skiing or you're probably kind of staying put, right? You're not you're not going to the beach and 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 just slamming margaritas. So it's a time that a lot of people have decided is is the month that they sort of reflect on on you know health in general, right? And I think yeah. also it's when you start thinking about okay, like March is close, and March traditionally has always been a spring break month. Right. Like I got to be in that bathing suit again. Like what's that going to look like? Um, so, you know, it's, it's always that, that, that good time to think about it. So I'm, I'm excited to have this conversation, uh, you know, with you. Um, I, I definitely have always, I think because of the industry we're in, I've always been aware of my relationship to alcohol and sort of understanding that it's, it's something that I obviously enjoy, right. It, it helps me unwind. Um, I, I like it for its social aspects, but also it's something that I'm aware of that you can easily abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, it's, it was always really important, especially as we started Vine Pair, that I knew that there would be like, not that I would count drinks, but that I would be aware of what I consumed in an evening. Uh, and that also I knew that I was always like taking a few days off. Yeah. Right. That like throughout the week. I knew that I wasn't going to drink like Sunday, Monday, Tuesday or something, Sunday, Monday, you know, Sunday, Monday, Thursday. Mm-hmm. How have you approached though? Like sort of it? Cause I mean, on the floor, you know, being in the restaurant <laughs> industry, you, you hear about that a lot that, you know, it can be, there can always just be an excuse. So how have you sort of throughout your career approached drinking and drinking mindfully? Uh, that's an excellent question. I, I want to say one thing really quick before I answer that. And that is in this conversation, I think we're going to talk about mindful drinking in sort of through two different lenses, at least in my, in in my estimation. And one is uh, this first one, which is about the relationship between alcohol as a substance and the, you know, sort of the sort of controlled safe use of it. And then there's also drinking in a, in a more sort of direct health sense in terms of like, we'll talk calories and stuff like that. And so I'm I'm mostly for the, for this part going to focus on that that question you posed, which is dealing with alcohol as an intoxicating substance and and how that works. And and I'll say, you know, I've I reflect on this every year and I, I've been thinking about it a lot this year because as mentioned before, it's the first year in a very, very long time. I mean, since I was in high school that I'm not working in a restaurant uh in January, pretty much. Uh maybe one other year somewhere in there. But basically, um I think that 
Yeah. One thing that, that was very clear to me from my very, very early days in the restaurant industry, frankly, even before I worked in a restaurant growing up in and around restaurants, is that 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 industry and the beverage alcohol industry more broadly, one of the real challenges is it does not put up many guardrails for people when it comes to alcohol and certainly didn't used to. I mean, this may be changing over time. I think, you know, outright intoxication at work is is less tolerated now than it was when I was young, um, and certainly even before I was in the workforce. But but it's very true that, you know, whether it's restaurant workers or even frankly, you know, people in 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 wine or beverage alcohol production, media, etc. There's a lot of access. There aren't a lot of people asking questions or passing judgments, at least not to your face very often. And again, there are few guardrails. And and in many cases, the guardrails that exist are broader societal ones. And when you're going over one of those, there's real problems. And there isn't something, there aren't a lot of mechanisms within the industry sometimes to, to keep someone from getting to that point. And so for me, when I was young, it became, you know, not, I don't mean to say that I was a uh, as mindful a drinker at 21 or 23 or 25 even as I am now at 37. But I do think that relatively early on for me, I recognized that one thing that was important to me was to not be the person that I worked with who, you know, every night after work, it was four, five, six, seven drinks at the bar. Every time we went out, it was, you know, wanted to get into a fight or broke down crying or wanted to have sex with literally anything and all the kind of things that come with, you know, not just alcohol consumption, but, you know, sort of uncontrolled consumption. And I, I guess, fortunately slash unfortunately had a lot of examples of people who just could not, who, who without total um, abstinence could not manage alcohol consumption. And I think, you know, there's a lot of people like that. And, and, you know, I, I have, there are people like that in my family. There are people like that in my friend circle. And, and I'm grateful in a lot of cases that they've been able to come to that realization in some cases without, you know, tremendous cost to themselves. But it's very true that, that one thing that, that the, this industry asks of people is that you have really good boundaries around alcohol because there's very little support to help build those otherwise. And, and that may be true in life in general. I can't say. Certainly, there are other professions and other industries where you know there's a, there's a lot of drinking to deal with stress or drinking to deal with life or just people aren't really asking. But, but this one is particularly pernicious because there's almost an expectation that you drink along with everyone else because it's our job. And it's hard for some people to to find that balance point. Yeah, I think that's really true. And I think, you know, you got to find it any way that you can uh, and you have to be conscious of it. And I think, um, you know, that's what I, what we both have tried to do. And I encourage others to do right is when you think about, you know, what does, what does mindful drinking mean? Um, you know, it, a lot of it does mean how do you, how do you acknowledge that what you are consuming is alcohol, right? At the end of the day. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that we try to talk about a lot with Vinepair is like, that's also the reason that it's not, we try to not take it so seriously in terms of like some of the the ways that in which we can evaluate wine and stuff like that. Because at the end of the day, like the reason that majority of people are attracted to it is because it's alcohol. We are, at the mm-hmm. end of the day, we are humans and humans have always sought out substances as other animals do. Um, and so I think, you know, that's why it shouldn't be taken so seriously, but that's also why it should be taken seriously in terms of the way, you know, of, of what the ingredients are. Um, and I think that there's a lot of ways that you can, you know, 
be okay with with your relationship to it and you can train yourself to be sort of okay and and one way to do that obviously is to just you know make sure that two to three days out of the week you're only drinking water that on those other days you're you're making sure you're not consuming too much but in those tam- if if you have a hard time right shutting down i this at least this has been you know from people that i know saying like okay once i start drinking like i always going to want that next class then there are other options right there are things like free or other yeah. like sort of non-alcohol you know things like like athletic that i know you and cat love the that, you know the non-alcoholic beer that you can sort of sub in mm-hmm. um or free the wine that you know obviously is the is the uh, advertiser on the on the podcast this this week um i think those are uh you know, things that can help a lot of people to sort of, you know, make those choices. And then it also does help to have those around when you have someone in your life who, you know, doesn't drink um, because also you don't want them to feel left out at all. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and that um, piece I think is a really important one to mention yeah. because one of the really challenging things about the restaurant industry, about working in beverage alcohol more broadly, I think is that it's really hard for people. And and I think again, societally too, but, but especially in that industry, it's really hard to be the person who says, you know what, I'm not drinking or I've, I've had enough, but I still want to hang out with you guys. I still want to hang out with my coworkers after a shift. I still want to go out after work and, you know, and, and, and hang out. And, you know, I think it's it's totally the case that, you know, we're, we're starting to see, as you discussed, some of the products and others, too, that are that are entering the marketplace that are saying, hey, look, we recognize that that, you know, soda isn't necessarily what, you know, adults, especially sort of health conscious adults want. And that, frankly, the flavor profile may not be what you want. And that, you know, we talked about this a, while, a couple episodes ago, I think, you know, they're, they're just there are options for there are non-alcoholic beverage options, but none of them quite do for us and and have the same, you know, they don't feel, they don't feel special in the way that even a a non-alcoholic beer or wine can feel special. And maybe that's just a linguistic trick that we play on ourselves. Fine. But I do think that, that that is very much the case. And I think that one area, and I think this is something that, you know, we both agree on to some extent, but I'm curious to hear your, your perspective is sometimes I think these products get pigeonholed as, you know, only for people who don't drink, whether they're sober, whether they're on medication, whether they're pregnant, et cetera, you know, that they are, they're someone who does not ever drink and this is only for them. And to me, I think one interesting part of this conversation is, is there a place for these beverages for the person who wants to intermix them with alcohol, you know, that there are, you know, that maybe they want to have two glasses of wine with dinner, but only one of them is going to have alcohol or they want to have three beers out watching a football game with friends, but one of them doesn't have alcohol. And that we tend societally to be a lot, to be all or nothing. Um, and and for some, in some ways, I understand when it comes to a substance as powerful as alcohol, that for some people, the only answer, only safe answer is nothing. Fine. But I think for a lot of people, the the that nothing side of it, the no alcohol side has been so devoid of options that are interesting and tasty and and sort of plausible facsimiles uh, that that it has created a, a space where where well made product that meets those needs can really thrive. I think. I mean, that's that that se- it seems that way to me. I don't know. What, what's your read? Yeah, I think that there is like an opportunity here for there to be, you know, a, I mean, so first of all, there's obviously a need for there to be really well made products in this space for sure because there are so many use cases for it. Um, and so I think, you know. It, it is this thing where I've talked to so many people, whether they, you know, 
aren't drinking have stopped drinking uh, entirely, you know, or they are, you know, pregnant or have another health issue. Um, you know, maybe it's even that like they're on a certain medication they're not supposed to drink on mm-hmm. um, where they're like, you know, it's kind of just boring to go out with people and only ha- be like, oh, can I have a soda water with lemon? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, it just, there's, there, there are periods where it, or the exciting bitters and soda. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. That. <laughs> you know, there, there are times when it, that doesn't feel so great to be that yeah. person. Right. Um, and so to have those alternatives is really good. And the fact that there are people that are trying, you know, you know, creators out there, winemakers, brewers that are, who are trying to make uh, distillers great tasting uh, alcohol free is really interesting. I mean, I don't know if you were paying attention to um, the random channel on Slack today. I was, uh, but like, look, I mean, again, I'm not sure how, you know, how large of a market there is that they, there needs to be a physical store in the Lower East Side. But the fact that this new store in the Lower East Side called Spirited Away opened, where the entire store is out is alcohol free products, um, but that are obviously, you know, is really interesting to me. Um, right. There's gotta be a large enough market there. Right. And that's like, you know, the liquor store minus the liquor, I think is really cool and shows that there are, there's a lot of stuff out there right now and people trying to make these kinds of products for, you know, a wide, uh, swath of the population who, you know, is chooses not to drink at certain times, but doesn't want to miss out on that experience of drinking. And that is, is a crucial piece. And I I feel like I want to emphasize this because for me, with the people I've worked with, I've known in my life who have real problems with alcohol, one of the biggest challenges for some of them has been feeling like they can't be a part of a group that goes out and drinks because there's nothing for them, right? Soda water and whatever is boring and, and anything else like that, that, an impediment to sobriety or healthfulness for some people is really something as simple as they don't get to have a special drink of their own. If they don't like, right. you know, if they don't want to drink iced tea, say, or they don't want to drink, like I said, soda or lemonade or juice. I mean, those are those are perfectly fine beverages, but not everyone likes them. They don't want them all the time. They may not go well with food some cases. So there's a there's that that real impediment for some people that's just like. They don't want to. They, they won't make the choice between their social life and their health, and and products that allow them to have both. I think are really really valuable. I agree. Um, the other thing I think is interesting that you know that goes along with mindful drinking is thinking about sort of this uh, this world of of lower calorie options, mm-hmm. um, and that's something also that you know I think a lot of people start to revisit during this time of year. Uh, is, is, <laughs> Me for sure. Well, again, like we talked about the bathing suit, right? So it's like um, you know how do you how do you get in shape? You know, you probably I mean, especially you know the pandemic, man. Like people, I mean, dude, there was a time, there was a. Whew, there are weeks during the pandemic I was baking two loaves of bread a week. That is a lot. So, you know, how do you think about that? And we've seen, you know, especially the explosion on the on the beer and the seltzer side, you know, Michelob Ultra kind of led this craze um, for, you know, the lower alcohol beers. Now seltzer with White Claw and Truly have really sort of taken up that mantle and really, you know, prominently placing the calorie counts on the bottles. And now you have, um, you know, wines like mind and body and others that are doing it as well. And I also think that's important. You know, I think the idea that, you know, for people understanding what the calorie count is, is important. If you are someone that, you know, is, is trying to, to have some sort of balance, right. And sort of measure what you're taking into your body and then what you're expelling in terms of, uh, you know, exercise and burn and stuff like that, that those are, those are useful things. And I think, you know, especially on the wine side, uh, it is something where like, 
the you know we, we talked about this before with the with clarity of labeling is something that like the wine industry doesn't should should stop being so afraid of yeah. um i think you know putting the ingredients you know th- that is not that doesn't put you into the pseudoscience space right mm-hmm. it actually just says hey this is what's in it and hey here's the nutritional facts about it um yeah. i think that that's important like you know here's here's what five five ounces of this wine is going to cost you in calories you know i'd love to know that right a lot of us would love to to be more aware of that uh uh-huh. when we're when we're sort of consuming and i think you know it's not just, I don't mean to just pick on wine. You know, I think craft beer is guilty of it too. Cause some of these, some of these crazy hazy IPAs that you'd wind up drinking, you'd, um, you know, you'd wind up maybe with a thousand calories or something. You know, some of these beers are super high in, in calories. It's basically yeah. like eating a, you know, a liquid loaf of, of sourdough bread. Um, and the idea that sort of Seltzer is leading the way here of putting calories on the cans is going to start influencing. I think a lot of, a lot of this moving forward. Well, so I think, you know, especially when it comes to wine and you listeners, you Adam know, I mean, I love wine. I love the wine industry in a lot of ways, but one problem that the wine industry has is it is a little bit sometimes up its own collective ass about like the idea that everyone who drinks wine is drinking wine for these sort of high minded, uh, you know, aesthetic pursuits. And like, yes, there is a fair bit of that, but people drink wine, as you said, Way back at the beginning of this episode, people drink because of alcohol and people want alcohol and people want what it does to them. And some people do not want or do not, you know, they they care about a lot of other considerations besides only the most sort of, again, you know, whatever, whatever terminology you want to ascribe to it, um, you know, but we'll say snobby <laughs> uh, uh, reasons. And so I think that there is absolutely and totally room for and real demand for that kind of factual information about any product that anyone's going to consume, consume beer, wine, spirits, et cetera. And, and so I think that, you know, we, again, you know, the wine industry makes this mistake a lot of, of assuming that when they talk to connoisseurs, they are talking to the entirety of the wine industry, even if you look at what sells in the wine space and, you know, not a lot of, you know, the vast majority of sales are not what we would describe as like, you know, the wines of, you know, incredible terroir. Like that's fine. That's fair. Like there in no country is that true. There's a lot of generic ass what massive geographic blends in Europe too uh that are hugely popular and hugely successful because they're yep. inexpensive and they do what people want. Yep. And same thing is true in this country whether they're from this country or other places. And so providing that information for people is very very useful. It's something the wine industry should have been doing long ago at least in certain categories. And I think more than anything else, I think what is important here too is is kind of like what we were discussing with the with the non-alcoholic products, but is I think also true with this, which is some of these products may not be what everyone switches to. I mean, there are probably beer drinkers who only drink Michelob Ultra, but I bet there are a lot of people for whom that's a part of their beer drinking regimen. They drink it some days or they drink it, you know, in you know as a pacer beer with other beers that are maybe higher in alcohol higher in calories but it's a way for someone to continue to do a thing they enjoy but is not quite as costly in terms of you know calorie count and etc down the road and i think some of these wine products for sure are going to be their use cases in one one use case is definitely that is a part of a a drinking experience that maybe is uh more about the people they're with the place they're at a little yep. bit like not not, you know, 10 seconds of contemplation on every sip. And that's 
Again, that is not meant to be derogatory. That's how the vast majority of wine is consumed. Totally. It's like not sipping and swirling. It's it's you know not chugging exactly, but it's drinking it as it is intended to be consumed. Right. I completely agree with you. And I think that's you know what makes sort of wine so pleasurable for so many people is that it's just it's just fun. And so, you know, if if you can have, you know, if, if there are certain days when you'd like to have that fun without as much of the guilt, then I think it's it's really great that there are now these options. Um, and you know, thinking about that from from a mindful perspective is really important. Like I think, look, at the end of the day, you know, all of anything we do should be done with, you know, some with intention, right? So it, you know, Mark Bittman used to talk about this a lot in his New York Times column, but like eating with intention, right? And he had mm-hmm. this whole movement of like vegan before 4 p.m., right? And this idea that like if you were going to eat meat, that you thought about it when you did eat meat and you only ate it at select times during the day, um, you know, in order to like not only be better for your body, but to to be intentional about how, you know, what you were consuming and, um, you know, sort of how your consumption was impacting the environment. And same with, uh, you know, the idea of eating sort of the, the type of seafood we eat and you're yeah. not trying to deplete the oceans and stuff like that. And I think it, the same is true with, with how we consume drink, you know, it, it, it should be completely equal, right? We should think about what we drink. We should care about where those, those products come from. We should care about how they're made and we should be, you know, thoughtful about how we consume them and when we consume them. Right. And th- I think that would, that's going to be beneficial to all of us. And so I think that's what we try to do, um, you know, during mind, you know, mindful drinking month is really just highlight the fact that like these are you know products that are really fun to to get excited about and to also think about and and to think about from both a standpoint of who's making them and why and and also how are we consuming them and why yeah and i think you make an excellent point about trying to be you know mindful sometimes gets talked about as like only as like abstention from right. um and I think that is a mistake. I think, you know, mindful consumption is consumption. It's not exactly. no consumption. And I think there are obviously there are obviously people for whom no consumption is the only safe and correct answer. And and to those people, you know, I commend them for being, you know, making that decision, reaching that place, and 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 staying there. But I think for a lot of people, you know, the the thing that is true, and that we started this episode with with contemplating is, you know. We are at the same time in a culture that encourages consumption without a lot of thought in a lot of areas. It's not just food and drink in everything. Yes, and 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 I think that you know a thing that I think I could say speaking for both of us, we encourage is in general that you think about what you're doing. I mean, obviously, if you're spending your time listening to us, you're reading Vine Pair, you care about what you're consuming at least in this space, if not everywhere. And I think that January is a great month to begin that process. But I would also encourage that you know. It'd be a year-long pursuit. And in, in some months, it's going to be a little more tilted towards maybe less mindfulness or more consumption. Yeah. And in other months, it might be tilted towards more contemplation, less consumption. That's all good. I think balance is sometimes not all about the same exact thing every day or every week or every month. It's about finding an equilibrium that that but you can, you know, sort of oscillate around that equilibrium point. But it is it is true that I think I may consider myself a much more uh, a much better and more satisfied uh, beverage alcohol consumer, the more mindful I am, even if sometimes that is that thing is like, holy shit, I need a drink right now. Cause that, yep. cause that's balanced out by the times when I don't have a drink for sure. Exactly. I think, look, I mean, I completely agree with you, man. And, and I, I love your point that you made, which is like, it's there, there's, there's in, 
there should be intentionality with everything. And it's not just this, right? I mean, I know a ton of people this month who are taking social media breaks, right? And doing, you know, like I, I, I spoke to a friend, I was like, oh yeah, I'm doing like a somewhat dry January. And they're like, oh, I'm doing a somewhat dry social media January, right? Mm-hmm. Just like, I, you know, I find myself, why am I always looking at my phone when there's nothing else to do? Yeah. Right. Like, how do I stop that behavior? And the same, same kind of ideas. And, and that's all healthy and that's really good. And so I think it's great that there's, you know, that we're having these conversations about them because we should have them as opposed to just sort of telling them, I mean, like, well, if I have these conversations, then like, what does that say? Like, does that say that I, I don't enjoy drinking? No, like, I, I, I love wine. I love beer. I love cocktails. Um, I love hanging out with friends. I love getting together and having, you know, drinks and, and being really social. But I think it's also important that, that these these same conversations happen too, right? The one doesn't uh, doesn't isn't the opposite of the other, if that makes sense, right? You're not you're not saying, oh, well, and then also if I have these conversations, I know a lot of people are scared to have these conversations because like, does that mean I have a problem? No, absolutely not. That doesn't mean that you have a problem. It actually means the opposite, you know. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, I hope that everyone has a, a lovely month of January. Um, I hope that we all move forward with more intention and mindfulness. And uh, Zach, I'll talk to you next week. Sounds great. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you enjoy listening to us every week, please leave us a review or rating on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced by myself and Zach Jabal. It is also mixed and edited by him. Yeah, Zach, we know you do a lot. I'd also like to thank the entire Vine Pair team, including my co-founder, Josh, and our associate editor, Kaplan's Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. And now, a word from our sponsor this week, Mind and Body. Aiming to cut back on calories and alcohol but still want to enjoy a delicious glass of wine? Mind and Body wines are the perfect solution. These low-calorie, low-alcohol wines are only 90 calories per serving and are vegan, gluten-free, non-GMO, and made without added sugar. With Mind and Body wines, you can sip without sacrifice. And you can learn more at mindandbodywines.com.